The gospel reading today is from the book of Mark, uh, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. And it was Mark's message to the Romans who were being persecuted, or to the Christians who were being persecuted under the Romans. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one with authority, not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. This ends the reading. Our text today seems to dwell on Jesus' authority. Everything I learned about authority, I learned while enlisted in the United States Air Force. Anyone in the military knows what I'm talking about. Because there are, there are people there who have authority based on their rank. And if not for their rank, really wouldn't have much authority otherwise. And some of these people would often abuse their rank. I had this one guy, and I won't. I won't say his name, Sergeant Hobbs. <laughs> Sergeant Hobbs was my supervisor, and uh, <laughs> I hope he's not listening. I do, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that, Lord. I'm <laughs> but anyway, I already did it. But <laughs> he used to, you know, he would, he would abuse his rank. He, he would get in these fights with his wife at 3 o'clock in the morning. I worked the graveyard shift uh, a couple of times a year, so... Uh, three o'clock in the morning, he'd come in angry at his wife. And if Sergeant Hobbs was angry at his wife and came into the shop at three o'clock in the morning, you know that we were going to do some mopping, we were going to do some polishing, we were going to start, you know, doing uh, dusting the chairs and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Because quite frankly, he couldn't really get mad at his wife, but he could come and chew our butt all night long. <laughs> And he used to love to do that. <laughs> to me, that seemed like an abuse of his rank. Um, and uh, didn't really command a lot of authority. Uh, and quite frankly, we were usually cheering for his wife uh, in those scenarios. There are others who use that same authority to unify. I had some great supervisors in the Air Force. One guy, uh, Sergeant Bigham, uh, was the only only person to ever write me up. Uh, and it wasn't because I didn't do things wrong, except this one time, but uh, I usually got away with it. 
But uh, Sergeant Bigham wrote me up because I came back late from, from uh, lunch. Now, I, the reason I was late coming back from lunch is because I was with the commander and uh, had been having lunch with the commander. And I came back and I said, well, we were at lunch with the commander. I was 45 minutes late. I said, we were, with, we were at lunch with the commander. And uh, Sergeant Bigham said, I don't care. <laughs> you were late. You had an obligation to be here. You were late. I'm writing you up. Sign here. And so I was pretty snippety about it. And I went over to the commander and I said, look at this. You made me late and Sergeant Bigham is uh, writing me up for that. You should do something about it. And he just laughed. He said, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to write up, uh, I'm going to give Bigham a a thumbs up on (laughs) it. Good for him. And uh, Sergeant Bigham had in mind the good of the entire shop, and that was an appropriate use of his rank. And it was me who was abusing my particular situation at that time. Uh, And so, you know, I had a lot of reasons. He was my favorite supervisor because, and the only one who ever wrote me up for doing anything wrong. And i I got to say, this all translates out into the real world as well. There are people who have authority based on their title, based on the authority that, that their title gives them. There's people that have authority by, by virtue of, of uh, their knowledge and their expertise. And there are people who have authority just because of who they are. Because we like them and we hand that kind of authority over to people. And then there's people who kind of claim authority, and this one, this one bothers me a little bit. I'm, su- I'm surprised at this, because it, it, it doesn't fit in our particular uh, theological framework here at First Baptist, but I'm surprised at this, but it is quite common for people to claim their authority comes from God. In fact, I hear of this a lot, where people come and claim I have God's authority to tell you thus and such about your life and about what's going on. In fact, we had a conversation about this this morning in our class, and I've had a few conversations about this over the week, about people who claim God's authority to tell you what God wants for you in your own life, in your own faith. And quite frankly, if anyone tells you that, they're full of crap. They have no business claiming God's authority. It gets difficult. This happens to me a lot. I get real nervous. You'd be surprised who walks into my office and says, you know what, I would love to talk to your congregation because God has given me a message for your people. And I say, well, you know what? You don't know my people. (laughs) You don't know this congregation. And you'd be surprised how often people want to get up in this pulpit and tell you what God has in store for you without having any knowledge of you at all. Or sometimes they direct it at me. They have a message for me from God. And I I always want to go, well, you know what? I talked to God this morning and this never came up. (laughs) Until you're the first, uh, this is the first time hearing of it. Uh, you know, I talk to God a lot. <laughs> when someone says my authority comes from God, there is just nowhere good for it to go. In church conflicts, and this, uh, I've been in a lot of churches, and I've been in a lot of church conflicts. Many of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if they go on long enough, 
whether it be the color of the carpet or, or you know, particular doctrinal things or what kind of music we're going to sing. If a conflict goes on long enough, pretty soon one side will eventually claim righteousness. We are fighting for what is right. And they will say that and then they will find some scripture to back up their particular color choice for the carpet and of course the other side begins to claim the same thing and now instead of a disagreement that needs to be settled by some kind of resolution being compromised between the two it becomes a crusade to eradicate the forces of evil that have taken over the other half of the congregation and it becomes a crusade because they have the authority of God on their side and thus church splits happen over the centuries over and over again and even when a person has the best intentions claiming divine authority ultimately cannot help but become manipulative when i was in college i had this really great friend who used to who came to church with me he was a devoted follower of christ uh, but in college, you know, as, as many of us are, are likely to do, uh, he began sowing his wild oats. And I knew this because some people had shared with me, you know, that uh, he had been out partying a little bit on the weekends. And when he started showing up late for church, I realized he'd been partying a little bit. Or, and then one day he was late for class and he looked tired. <laughs> or hung over as the case may be anyway we walked and we had this class together and we walked out and this is what I said to him I said you know and I won't mention his name <laughs> you know God told me that you're drinking too much and you ought to cut back <laughs> and he looked at me because he'd never talked to me about it right he looked at me and his jaw drops and and we and and uh, you, you know I don't know I don't know if he turned it all around at that point I know eventually he he went on and and stopped all that behavior and he's now a minister so <laughs> but you know the look on his face told me that he was he was wondering how I knew all that and you know the and quite frankly that was an unnecessary manipulation on my part it was me blaspheming the name of God really for no other reason than to lend credence to my argument, but probably more likely just to make me look cool. <laughs> that was probably really what it was about. That was an inappropriate thing for me to do. And I, haven't, I won't do that anymore. My pledge to you. You'll never hear me come to you and say, God is telling me that you need to do this. I'm happy to tell you, you know what, I think, <laughs> I think you ought to do this. <laughs> and quite frankly, I should have been able to tell my friend, you know what, I've, I've been hearing things, I'm concerned, let's talk about your situation. And we could have talked about it like reasonable people. But when I claim God's authority, all of a sudden he's not talking to me, he's talking to God. And that's what happens in these little arguments we have. People claim God's authority. All of a sudden, you're not talking to God. You're, talk, or you're not talking to them. You're talking to God. And how can you argue with God, right? There's nowhere good for that to go but to be an abuse of, of, uh, 
of power and authority. Mark, in today's passage, shares with us that Jesus has some remarkable authority. And this authority that Jesus is being given or or is claimed here seems to be grounded in three incredible claims. The first one is is Jesus' title. Jesus is addressed here by this title, Son of God, in my translation. Your translation had uh, uh, the glory of God or something to that effect. Uh, But what uh, what I want to observe here that is strange is that it's not the religious leaders who call Jesus the Son of God. It's not the disciples who call Jesus the Son of God. Who is it? It's the demon who calls Jesus the Son of God. Hey, I know who you are. You are the Son of the Most High God. And we're a little nervous about you coming around. (laughs) And throughout Mark, it's not until Peter declares to Jesus somewhere in the middle of Mark that He is the Messiah, the, the Christ, that the disciples seem to suddenly understand who Jesus is. In Mark, in particular, the only people who know who Jesus really is, who, who know that Jesus has that authority of title, the Son of God, the only people who seem to recognize that are the demon-possessed, a few Gentiles, and God Himself. The disciples, the Pharisees, all the other religious leaders, they're wandering around in the dark. They call Jesus rabbi, teacher. They know Jesus is a teaching, is, is a great teacher. And that brings us to the second uh, thing that is declared about Jesus and seems to be the source of his authority. We are told in this passage that Jesus taught with authority. It was, a, it was quite a remarkable thing. Not like the scribes teach. Now what's being said here, there's a little more going on than just that, that Jesus was a skilled teacher with a lot of great anecdotes and maybe a hands-on craft project or something rabbis in jesus's day they never spoke directly about the torah the jewish scriptures they never they never would have done like like we did today and said mark says this and i think this what they would do in what a rabbi would do in jesus's day is he would quote someone from the talmud the talmud is a collection of commentary on the torah uh, ancient commentary by a bunch of rabbis and the assumption here is that everything that needed to be said about the Torah has already been said and what you need to do now is just figure out which ones you agree with the commentary and so it went like this rabbi so-and-so from the from the Talmud says regarding such-and-such law of Moses said this so people would not directly talk about the scriptures in the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, but Jesus didn't do that. This is what Jesus did. He said things like, the Torah says, an eye for an eye, but I say to you, love your enemies. Now nobody did that. Nobody spoke directly about the Torah. But what Jesus was saying by doing that is saying, you know what? There is still yet more to be said about the, these Scriptures. There is still yet more to be said Because the kingdom of God has not been fulfilled through all of this talk about the Scriptures yet. And so Jesus brought a new teaching with authority that spoke directly about and to the Word of God. Radical stuff. 
And this is the kind of thing that really chapped off the authorities and uh, might get you in all kinds of trouble in the first century. And it did. It got Jesus all kinds of problems. So people who have authority by virtue of title never like people who have authority that is given by the support of the people. Because that kind of gets in the way of their control over what's being done. And then there is a third claim of authority going on here beyond title, beyond Jesus' knowledge of Scripture and how great it is. Jesus claims authority by what He does in His actions that ring true to what is said. That give, it's that that gives Him ultimate authority. What, Je, what gives Jesus authority is that when He says something, He backs it up with action. When Jesus says that He has come to bring freedom to the captive, and then He turns around and frees one who is captive to a demon, His title and His knowledge suddenly become irrelevant to the whole conversation. We acknowledge Jesus' authority because of what He does to transform the lives of the people who find faith in Him. And the only authority that really makes a difference in the world we live in is the kind that sees words turned into action. The world we live in throws around and manipulates the authority that comes from titles so much that you can, you know, you can call Jesus Lord and it's almost meaningless in this world we live in because there are so many things claiming lordship over us already. Now back in Jesus' day, calling Jesus Lord meant something. Because you know who else was called Lord? Caesar. So calling Jesus Lord will get you killed. And to say Jesus is Lord is to say that Caesar is not Lord. Now that's powerful. These days calling Jesus Lord is, is cliche almost. So title really isn't where the rubber hits the road, is it? And then there are so many different authority, authoritative teachers out there who all claim to know what they're talking about, and most of them, in my assessment, don't really have it right. Of course, I'm right, right? You know, I have that. So that becomes a completely neutered situation as well. Sure, I'm right, but they think they're right too, so who's really right? The new teaching that Jesus brings is that authority is something that comes through making a difference. Authority is something that comes through living out the Word and being, as James calls it, doers of the Word. It's not enough just to read the Bible. It's not enough just to understand it. It's a, it what really counts is doing it. And when Jesus is teaching, and one of the disciples came up to Him and He said, your mother and brothers and sisters are outside. They want to speak to you. Jesus' response to them was, whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. It is the will of God and doing the will of God that gives us ultimately, that ultimately has authority in this world. It is the act of responding to what God puts in our hearts. It is the living out the things that we hear Jesus say and the things that we see Jesus doing in Scripture that ultimately has authority in our lives. 
That extends to me too. I don't have authority. It is God's Holy Spirit in you. And you responding to that Spirit that gives Jesus authority in your life. And it's only living out this faith and acting upon the authority we have seen in Christ that makes our faith compelling to others. And this is the heart of what I'm getting at today. We can claim truth all we want. We can claim a better way. We can, we can claim the only way. A lot of people do it. And they make a lot of money at it too, i got to say. But we can claim uh, you know, the way to be but what will stand out, I mean, I could stand at the top of that beacon, the, the, the big turret beacon we have up there, and we can shout what is the right way and the way we think and what's wrong with everybody else, and it won't mean a darn thing. I can scream out what real Baptists look like <laughs> and believe thus and such. I can quote Roger Williams to the whole world and John Smith all day long, and the only people who are going to find that interesting are people who already think that way. Because we often preach to the choir. The only thing that really transforms people, and the only thing that will really transform this world we live in, the only thing that will make a difference in people's lives, the only thing that really compels people to hand authority over to Jesus Christ in their life and say, Lord, lead me, guide me, be my light, the only thing that actually accomplishes that is Jesus actively being lived out in the lives of His followers. Amen. It is when people can see Jesus in you and in me. It is when people can see that, that what Jesus has done in the world has made a difference in our lives that we can hope to save the world we live in now. That we can hope to herald in and, and, and manifest the kingdom of God. It is when we say, Christ, I know you have this great title, but quite frankly, that hasn't really meant much to me. Maybe it will in the other life, but right now, and we can say, I know you, you have great teaching, but until we say, Jesus, do in me what you did to that demon-possessed little boy and transform my life, free me from the things that shackle me, give me the wings you promised so that I can fly, and then we allow Christ to do that until we grant authority to Jesus. Jesus will never have authority around the world we live in. We can pray for it and wait for it and long for it all we want. But the coming that Jesus wants in this world right now is you and me living out our faith in real and transformative and transcendent ways. And that is the light that will draw people to Christ and change their path. Put them on a road of hope and health and wholeness and joy. And ultimately, herald in the kingdom of God that Jesus fought for, cried out, exemplified, died for, and rose again 
so that we might embody that kingdom as we respond to Christ's authority over our own lives. Amen? Let us pray. Loving God, we, there are so many people claiming, there are so many things claiming authority over this world, over our lives, even over our own faith and the relationship we have in You. May we find our authority in You and the things You do to transform this world. And may we ultimately, giving ourselves over to You, be a light that draws people to give authority over to You as well. God, we thank You for who You are. Not because of Your title. Not because of Your knowledge. But because of how You have changed us for the better. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.